Hello, and welcome to JK It's Magic, a bi-weekly kind of <laughs> podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jesse, And I'm Kelly. And this week we will be talking about We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal. In this story, Zafira is pretending to be a man in order to hunt in the R's for her starving community, a community that is not very welcoming to women because of something that happened long before Zafira was born. When Zafira is offered the chance to bring magic back to Arawaya, she jumps at the opportunity and meets some pretty interesting people along the way. Um, Initial reactions. What did you think? Um, This book started out a little slow for me, but I absolutely loved it. And now I am impatiently waiting for the second book, We Free the Stars, to come out in January. The release date was originally supposed to be in July, but it got pushed back due to the pandemic, which is currently happening because we are recording this in May. Um, I loved all the characters except for Dean, and I am such a sucker for enemies to lover stories. So you know I loved Zafira and Nasir. What about you? I agree with you. It took me a little longer to get into We Hunt the Flame, but after about, I would say, 90-ish pages, um, I couldn't put it down. The world building was spectacular, is spectacular, and the prose is totally captivating, and there is some next-level chemistry between Safira and Nasir, although I admit I'm more of an Altair fan because he reminds me of Cassian, so obviously... Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Time to talk about world building in Through the Wardrobe. Um, So in this world, Zafira is pretending to be a man because in her caliphate, being an independent woman is seen as bad. And the death of her father, plus her abilities, have made her the person in charge of her household. Um, So I really liked this part of the world building. Um... I think we see maybe a world that we haven't gotten to see in other YA books we've read where um, being a woman in general is just you're able to be persecuted for that. Um, I guess we see it a little bit maybe in like Akatar in the spring court at least. Um, but I really liked this this kind of story way of introducing us to Zafira and showing us who she was as a person. And then I also thought it it did a good job of showing how she's situated then in relationship to all of these, to the different power structures. She's rebelling against them from the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she starts out, yeah. And, and it also, it, it's part of the um, the magical system as well, is that she's the only one who can go into the R's and come back out. And that's why that all started with her taking on Um, the persona of the hunter is because she could go in there to get animals for food for her community initially I think just for her family Um, and that's why we see her kind of taking on this alternate personality or or not alternate personality but um, alter ego Um, Faisal says that the world is inspired by ancient Arabia which I really liked um I don't know that I put this Arawaya thing in there. Don't remember that. I put it in there. Okay, I was like, I don't remember this. 
I read this a long time ago, so who knows when I wrote this. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about the five caliphates? I was just going to, I think it's just nice to recap it. Okay. For people. Okay. Um, so Arawaya has five caliphates, um, Alder, Ma- Alder Amin, Saracen, Demaher, Zara, Zaram, Zaram, Palusia, and Shar. Um, each is ro- ruled by a caliph or a caliph. I think only one of them is ruled by a woman. I don't remember which one. So yeah, um, I really like the world that this was inspired by. I thought this was really interesting. I actually saw this on a list that said it was like a retelling of Aladdin, which I do not agree with in any way, shape, or form. Um, not at all. Just because it's set in <laughs> like like inspired by ancient Arabia doesn't mean it's the same thing as Aladdin. Yes, that's like serious Orientalism. Yeah, there. yeah. So I thought that was like really weird. I think it's hard because it's currently um, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So I think people were trying to, like the list was trying to include that. But I'm like, we don't really need to make a connection between some other story. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. It's like how Nnedi Okorafor bristles when her work is called like the Harry Potter of. Yeah. You know, like Black Harry Potter or whatever. Right. And she's like, no, not at all. Doesn't have to be the the standard against which everything is compared. Yeah, for sure. I am all in for the interactive map that the on the book's website. It is so cool. And now I want every book to come with one of these. Not to mention it's helpful for putting together a certain podcast. Um dot 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 so (laughs) I'm like I'm really into this I think that it's like a cool way to um I don't know just draw readers into the story a little bit more using technology and then also have the you um we're gonna talk later about the descriptions of the characters and how they come with art on the website yeah um but I I thought that the using that as an extension of the book as a resource for readers is um, I think that's really rad and I think it's gonna um, we're gonna keep seeing this yeah it's funny because I don't think I realized that there was an interactive map on the website I did read this from the physical book and I do think there was a map in the book as well mm-hmm. um, sometimes that doesn't come across as well in an ebook but um, yeah that's really cool you hover over things and they light up and then you can click on them and then it'll give you a description of Dem and Her, for example, right? Or a quote or something. So I think it's, yeah, super helpful and really a way to um, draw readers into the world even more. We also get lots of Arabic words and clothing throughout the story, none of which are really explained. Um, there is a glossary and pronunciation guide online, so you can look that up there. I also looked up things, um, using Google because that also exists. You can Google things. Um, but I really liked this and I think we've talked about this in other books that we've read when not everything is explained to us because that does get kind of annoying after a while. Um, so I appreciated just having these things thrown in, not thrown in, but like chosen to be a part of the world without explaining it to you know non-community members you know what I mean absolutely 
I, I thought it was very seamlessly woven in and that was wonderful. And by context, honestly, you can figure out what a lot of the word words mean. And after a while, I don't know, I, I learned a lot of new words, actually. So I don't know any Arabic whatsoever. So, yeah, um, I thought that it was, um, yeah, just really well done kind of reminded me of how Zoraida Cordova writes in Spanglish sometimes right yeah for sure um and I really appreciate when the world building is extended to the like linguistic realm because that's obviously a big part of culture and that's what world building is like really trying to recreate yeah I agree um and the food descriptions oh my gosh yeah, there was a lot of food stuff going on in there. <laughs> but it didn't I didn't find it boring. I thought it was it really kind of upped the sensorial um like how real everything felt to me as a reader. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Plus I really like food, so you know, love love it. I mean, mostly baking. The descriptions of ice cream I was like, oh, I really want ice cream. <laughs> and luckily I have ice cream at the moment. So That's so excited. funny. I did not even think about that because when I read it, I think it was still cold out. So I was like, no, thank you. Not time for ice cream at all. <laughs> we can say we're, we should say we're recording in the middle of May yeah. at the moment. Yeah. But when I read it, I think it was maybe February. So the last thing on my mind was ice cream. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or a pandemic. Yeah. Things change. For sure. Wands out. Let's discuss all things magic. So the magic in Arawaya is gone because of the actions of one of the six sisters and the lion. I really like these stories where magic is gone and people have to go find them again. I think it's a really good way to introduce us to the magic of the world. Um, which sometimes I know we have talked about this briefly talking about the new Sarah J Mass book and how we were kind of introduced to everything kind of weirdly, I think because the world is already so set up, um, but not one that we have been introduced to yet. <laughs> um, so I really mm -hmm. like this way of setting up the magical world so that the reader can be reintroduced to it with the characters. That's a really good point as a narrative strategy, I think it works really well, which is what you're, you know, I echo what you were saying. Yeah. Zephira can also travel into the R's with no repercussions because she has magical powers. I didn't really know why she was going to be able to travel into the R's. Maybe I did know that it was magical powers or something, but I really like that she, like her magical power is that she can find things <laughs> that would be very useful in real life. <laughs> incredibly useful I leave my phone all over the damn place and I can never find it but like you wouldn't even <laughs> need google maps anymore like can you imagine like you would just know how to get places I wouldn't even need a phone maybe okay well I think the main well, point of a phone is to, for people <laughs> to be able to contact you so yes but it's very helpful for direction sure sure yeah <laughs> I so the the they're called affinities in this book, right? I think so, yeah. Your magical abilities or whatever. And then the only way to get magic outside of your ability is to either be Safin, correct? Or to do blood magic. 
That's what I understood. I don't know about the saffin part. Maybe that's true. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I just thought they had a relationship to magic that was different than human. Maybe like able to study it in a different way. Because Benjamin has all of the potions and things like that. So and he's yeah. also really old. Yeah, that's true. So he knows how to use magic and stuff. Yeah. I also like the idea that maybe more people have magic than we realize. Because as we go through the story, we see... You know, Zafira has magic. It turns out that um, Nasir has magic. I mean, I guess his mom is like one of the six sisters. Like she's a witch. <laughs> so big witch energy. Yeah. Love it. Right. No, I mean, she's kind of a bad mom, so I don't know that I love it. Oh, but. <laughs> yeah. No, she's a, she's a terrible mom. Yeah. But she's a good witch. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't she's know. She's good at I magic. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. And then I guess we're we're going to see in book two, it seems like we're going to get more of the how everyone is learning now that magic is reintroduced. What's that going to do to the world, right? How everyone's reacting to that. Um, So that'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to the next book. Me too. I also like the idea that we're going to get to see the wider world because we spent so we spent so long in wherever that place was where they were tracking down the book. Char. Char. Okay. I read this a long time ago. <laughs> I should have like, and I finished it last night. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> You're at... getting a look, a look behind the fourth wall. Magical people. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see maybe like the other caliphates and the different areas. Cause they also seem to have be like stuck in different seasons, which was really interesting. Um, because Zephyr is stuck in like perpetual winter, which seemed like that sounds like the worst possible situation to me. So yeah, I'm excited to see some of the other places. Seeing as how I need my sad lamp after like a day without sunshine. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't handle it very well over there. Yeah. I just don't like the cold, so it's not going to be good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we also get magical creatures like Ifrits and Safin, which kind of remind me of the Fae. Um, totally, with their like pointed ears yeah. and their immortality, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. The pointy ears really give it away. And for some reason, I kept imagining um, Benjamin as like Spock. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because Spock is just like <laughs> so smart, you know. Um, and I love Zachary Quinto. Anyways, um, so... Oh, as a Zachary Quinto Spock, I... Okay. Yeah, not Leonard Nimoy, but yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, And then we also... There's so many different magical creatures. I love that you put this in there because, like, there's the Rook, mm -hmm. which we saw before. What was the... We read a book with a Rook in it. Um, I'm guessing it probably is an Ember in the Ashes because an Ember in the Ashes also had Ifrits. And I think because both of them are... Um, and they also talk about like saffron steel. Yeah, and I think it's because it's interesting. I think it's because it's Arabic inspired, so it's inspired right. by you know, totally by lore. But there's so there were so many other um, creatures which I I always enjoy an other than human being. Well, and so I think it's really those are really fun, and I think it's really interesting because I was watching. Um, if anyone watched Patriot Act, then like you can on YouTube you can watch 
deep cuts where Hassan will like answer questions from the audience. And he talked about like Ifrit's and Jen in like an episode uh, mm-hmm. about like the stories his parents would tell them to like scare them or whatever, <laughs> like him and his sister. Um, so it's interesting to see um, like a, uh, like a backstory to these creatures and that sort of thing. Um, but also see that yeah. like they're part of a culture we just don't know about, you know? Exactly. But learning about, so I was like, oh yeah, I know what Nifrit does. Cause we also, also sit there in city of brass. Yeah. City of brass. That was um, the other one. So, which I want to put the next ones on our TBR. Yes. Yeah, we should. Side note. Lawns away. Now we're going to talk about conflict, villains, and good versus evil in our segment. Get me Kylo Ren. So we have two big villains in this story, I would say. Um, the, lion, <clears throat> the lion and Gamek. Um, the lion obviously is the one who I guess is the reason that all the magic is gone basically. And Gamek, uh, Nasir's father is just the absolute worst. (laughs) Um, he is the emperor, the king. Sultan. Sultan. I was like, I don't remember. I've watched so, it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) I'm watching The Great right now and they have an emperor. So I'm like, what is what is the title? It's different in different places. Um, Mm -hmm. But he is slowly but surely taking over the other caliphates, um, infiltrating them and killing people and just doing a lot of terrible shit. He's pretty bad. It seems like it's like a portrait of power or a villain of evil, I guess, as the pursuit of power for like its own sake. Because there is a lot of discussion about there's no reason that the sultan needs to be killing the caliph and taking over other caliphates. Caliphates, like he's already has a lot of power. Um, So like the abuse of power, I guess, is what I would say comes through as like a common theme. Well, I think part of it is he seems to be like possessed. The lion maybe is doing something. He's got like that necklace that seems to be weird. Um, Right. So I think something else is going on that we don't know yet that Mm -hmm. we'll we'll learn about probably later in the next book (laughs) but yeah there's a lot going on with the lion who's not dead and now has altair (laughs) captured and slash is his dad oh yeah that too (laughs) there was a lot of like surprise familial relationship reveals um and they were at, at first they were cool, I thought. And then I don't know. After a while, it seemed like a lot. It was only really two. I mean, I guess three. If you think the of like brother. Yeah. That one didn't really bother me. No, that one didn't bother me either. But anyway, I'm curious to know more about the lion since I don't really understand. You know me. I love a villain backstory. Obvi. I know. So like, why are you evil? I'm curious to know more. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We will. This book got me thinking because of Nas- the um, Nasir's burns um, that there is a lot of child abuse in YA slash what what do you call it older? Oh, new YA slash oh like new, new adult new adult like that sort of genre and i'm 
just kind of it got me wondering about what like the potential why that's the case and um what are I guess potential consequences of such representations I wondered what you thought I think it's probably like a two-pronged issue I think one thing that YA has kind of been dealing with um in more recent years maybe is the lack of parents in stories like for some reason parents just happen to not exist in YA books or they are just like like filler kind of like there are parents but they seem to have no idea what's going on and they're just there because kids need parents um so I think maybe that is fixing that by villainizing them but I also think that as we as a society move forward we kind of take on these bigger issues head on at at younger and younger ages and I think to not have YA with child abuse in it would be almost irresponsible um, because there are kids who are dealing with that, who are dealing with issues similar to Nasir's um, or much worse or not as bad, but you know, they're still being abused by parents um, because he's being abused both physically and emotionally. So I guess this kind of gives um, young people an out to deal with those feelings, um, to -hmm. talk about them in kind of a safe way. Now the book doesn't really give any, solutions on how to deal with this and he's probably going to kill his dad and in real life if you just killed your parent you'd probably go to jail (laughs) so like maybe don't do that if you can help it (laughs) it's not like a direct analogy yeah for life but i'm not giving i see what you mean i'm not going to give people advice on whether or not to kill their parents is what i'm saying so like (laughs) no no we're not uh, no we don't do that here (laughs) but what i mean to say is that like people do deal with this in you know, in the real world. So I think it's just kind of mirroring that and giving people a way to talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, like the good things that comes from it is, I mean, representation matters, which is the point that you're making mm-hmm. and um, normalizing it. And I think that we're getting into a discussion of like, it's whether we're seeing how Nasir internalizes the abuse and how that manifests inside of him. And then also what um, we're kind of seeing what's necessary to get rid of that and push back against it. And it also normalizes those sorts of feelings too, which I think is really helpful. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, I think this is a question people ask about lots of different hard issues that come up in books like why do we need to see this you know um Mm -hmm. but I think it's important because like just because one person hasn't dealt with it or doesn't deal with it doesn't mean another person doesn't so it's kind of nice to have that something for everyone that being said it can be difficult to read I'm guessing whether or not you've dealt with um child abuse so uh we will put a content warning at the top of the episode (laughs) absolutely uh yeah so there's also that Onward, magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, and gender. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. Let's start with race. Yeah, which is like we should maybe put an asterisk by because it's also kind of like species slash different type of being. So it's not what we think of as race. Yeah, which I think we see in a lot of um YA fantasy books where there are lots of different types of I want to say people but like humanoid beings um 
So I'm not really sure how much race comes into play in the story. Each of the caliphates seem to have different traits and different beliefs about each other. But because I was newly introduced to this world, I couldn't quite get a handle on what all that meant from a racial standpoint. And there's a possibility that we will see more of this in the future. And that will kind of be worked out for me, at least. Um, other than the Safin, who think they're the absolute best. Um, I saw from the author's website that the main cast of characters all look different. And you can find that on her website, which we'll link to. Um, but it was interesting because they all looked different. They all had different skin colors. Um which different dressing, different hairstyles, yeah. different like turbans, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that will. Um, I think we'll see more interaction between different types of people. Like we saw someone from like each group almost with the with the Zumra. But I think we will um, see how those interactions play out in a bigger, larger scheme of things um, in the next book. Yeah, it seems like the differences were more ethnic mm -hmm. rather than racial, honestly, and, and like cultural, mm -hmm. ethnic slash cultural um, between the different caliphates. And that was like more of a determining factor than um, race or gender necessarily. Yeah. Well, we kind of see that like um, Safira is from Demonhue and she is like blonde hair and blue eyed, <laughs> which I was not expecting. I think she has dark hair. Oh, I thought she had what blonde hair well maybe she just has blue eyes which is also like she has very light blue eyes okay but anyways she but dark hair she lives somewhere cold and i was just like yeah that seems right <laughs> um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how things play out in the future books and to your point i think the novel reading this had me thinking about how about the constructedness of race overall. Um, and science fiction or fantasy are really great at doing this. They just kind of, they introduce like magical or different elements and then defamiliarize what we think uh, we think we knew and then can thus reveal different kinds of relationships and power dynamics. And that's why I think it's really, like the genres are really cool. Um, and we're seeing that race slash ethnicity slash nationality, whatever works differently than the assumptions we as readers might bring with us to the text. So for instance, like white supremacy doesn't operate in our, we, uh, like it does in our reality. So I think that's just um, something to keep in mind. Yeah. And I think it's important to think about that in our real world as well. When we think about um, people in different, um, like outside of the United States, sometimes uh, I think we think, that because people all live in one country, they all get along and like everything's the same for every person, but they're like also not a monolith and they have different cultures the way that like they're different cultures in the United States. Um, and they, things don't operate the same way there as they do here. So whereas in the United States, people might think, oh, well, this is a group of people. They're like, yes, but that is also broken down differently within our, their culture. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of what we're seeing here is like a difference of culture and probably religion. Like all those things are at play. Yeah. Though we don't have that much religion in the, um, novels. And I think I remember reading somewhere that 
the author did that on purpose because didn't want to conflate the region with the religion. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And I read that as well. Um, there's like a cute... You can Q- find the article and link to it or something. There's a Q&A on Goodreads and that's where that was. Um, or at least that's where I saw it, where she was answering questions about the book because someone asked if there was Muslim representation in the book. Um, and she talked about how the story is set in an ancient... like or not ancient I guess it's ancient I don't know I don't know my time periods but it's set a long time ago in like an Arabic world but she did not want to bring in religion to it um so that's her choice to do what she wants and um I do think some I think some people will read this and like put that on the story but it's not there but that's because of the own prejudices that we're coming to the book with yeah. not because of anything that is in the book right exactly yeah because we don't really see really i don't know the the saffin might there's some stuff going on there but i don't really i don't really know i mean there there were it it, it seems like possibly the six sisters of old were some sort of like religious yeah. figure but i figures but i'm not i that wasn't clear to me yeah and some of that stuff i think will be flushed out as we see more of the world um right. if they travel other places that sort of thing all right let's talk about class yeah zafira becomes the hunter because she and her people on the brink of starvation um she with the with with the r's being around being like that magical thing or whatever um people are losing out on resources because they can't be like they're not as connected to each other as it seems like maybe they possibly were before Mm -hmm. yeah that's the sense that i got too was that the disappearance of magic has affected the distribution of resources throughout the entire world and then that's led to severe economic disparities um, and of course the Sultan at all aren't, you know, isn't suffering and neither are the Caliphs or the, you know, Khalifas or the, um, people around them. So we see that like, there's still a class system at work, but it, um, cause we have royalty and things like that, but it, it doesn't seem to be as, um, I don't know. Money just doesn't seem to be as important. Yeah. And I think, I think the book made it seem like to me at least that maybe there was a little bit more like the that ROI was more cohesive before the R's. So like there might have been more trading or um, right before the R's. So I don't know what's going to happen now that that's gone. Well, also because the I I remember reading that the um, like the Baroncy mm-hmm. used to be like full of all sorts of creatures and fish, you know, that the Zeramis would, would um, hunt. So like it's affected the disappearances of magic has clearly affected everyone. And it's like led to a lot of material suffering. It seems like. All right. Want to talk about gender? Let's do it. So obviously we see that in Zephyrus Caliphate, being a woman is the worst thing possible. And there are a lot of restrictions on women Kifa, on the other hand, is a warrior in her caliphate. So we see how women are treated differently depends on where they're from. Um, and I liked that they showed how um, the different cultures, like within within the wider world, are treating people differently. Yeah, we saw, I thought the, the depiction of like the difference in gender dynamics or gen, like gendered power was... Um, 
thought really thorough and nuanced, and I appreciate that that the author thought through that. Um, yeah, Kifa's a badass. I and so is Safira. I really appreciated the like su- two super strong um, pro tags. Yeah, women pro tags fighters. Well, and I feel like a lot of times we'll only get one in a story, so it was nice to see that they like came together and worked together. I know Zafira was very like suspicious of everyone else in the group, and rightfully so, <laughs> at the beginning of the story. Um, so it was really cool to see um, Zafira and Kifa especially come together and work together. So we don't really get this like cattiness that we sometimes see in other books between the the women characters. Um, I appreciated Ugh, that. Yeah. Ew, no, thank you. That is not. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I mean, I think it can when that happen. Right, I think it can serve its purpose, and that that does happen in real life. Um, but I think in this instance, they both like two different dudes. Like they both have their own things going on, and they're just like, yeah, we're gonna work together, and it works out. Um, we also see that Dean offers to go with Safira, which felt so wrong to me. Like he thinks Safira needed his protection. But as soon as he offered to go, I knew that meant Dean was going to die. And I was not disappointed. <laughs> how did you know that that meant he was going to die? Oh, it's just like that is how the stories go. Like if you're like, we're going to do this together, like it's going to be great. And you're not the main character. You're going to die. <laughs> like that's how stories work. <laughs> um, it's how I knew Kylo Ren was going to die because like he finally came to the good side. And I was like, great. Now he's dead. Um Anyways, that's a whole different story. I'm real upset about that, even though I <laughs> now we're gonna have to put mega Star Wars spoiler. I just alert. I just edited Crooked Kingdom that also has Star Wars. Maybe not Crooked Kingdom, but some ed- episode I just edited it has Star Wars spoilers. Also, it came out a long time ago, like five <laughs> months ago. No one's going to the movie theaters ever again. <laughs> uh, anyways, thanks to the Rona. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, while he was alive, I felt like Dean tried to have too much control over Zafira, and I did not like that at all. So I was glad when he died. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I did not um, (laughs) interpret that the same, like the character's intentions the same way as you did. Okay. Um, But... I'm persuaded by your version. <laughs> I just, I am. I just got like major Tamlin vibes from him. And I was just like, no, oh, thank you. Totally. Well, now when you put it in those terms, um, and I mean, it, it is very, that makes sense, right? Because obviously, now that I'm thinking about, it, you said Tamlin, I'm like, Nasir and Resand are kind of similar. So anyway, sidebar. But ugh, yeah, I don't. I wasn't that sad when Dean died either, but I like I understand the narrative purpose, right? Dark Knight of the Soul for the for the main character, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I wasn't super into that, and I was appreciate that that love triangle was resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I didn't know like if we were gonna get like this because because Altir is like very flirty. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to get, like, a love triangle with, like, Altir and Nasir and Zafira, but they, like, shut that shit down real fast, and yep. I'm fine with that. I don't need that love triangle because I don't, like, I really like Altir a lot. Um, I think he's a great character, and I could see, like, being BFFs with him, but um, I don't really need that love triangle situation going on, so I really liked that. 
there's plenty of other drama going on without that. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of appreciated like how the romance worked out in the book, even if it wasn't like the biggest thing part of the story. Um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> um, so I think that we should talk about masculinity and how that's portrayed. Okay. Because we we haven't really talked about that. Um, so it was refreshing that there were non-toxic examples of masculinity in included in the book. Um, or, or just like even moments of it. On page 208, there's one moment where um, right after the Zoomer gets together, maybe it's just Altair and Zafira and Nasir, but Zafira's leading or no. So I'm just going to read it because I'm clearly not doing a good job paraphrasing. <laughs> He led them, Altair on his heels, the girl trailing behind noisily, still addled by her exchange with Altair. Nasir gritted his teeth against the urge to snap at her to keep up, but she didn't need a man to tell her what to do that much he knew. Like, <laughs> yes, STFU, shut the fuck up. No one you need to be quiet. I just mm, love that moment. Yeah, that's really, that's really great. I didn't really think about how, uh, I guess I don't really think about how, how, dudes are <laughs> very often um i'm not concerned um but yeah that is really good that he like recognizes that he doesn't need to do that that's it's pretty refreshing and then it was tracked in the narration so like seeing a person like socialized as male decide not to say something because they know that the person of this other gender like doesn't need to hear it is I loved it yeah and I think that's also you know the longer I read the book the more I like Nasir and like comparing him backwards to Dean I'm like Dean like shut the fuck up she's gonna do whatever she wants to do like leave her alone you know so we have toxic masculinity with Dean and like not so much with Nasir I mean he's like killing people for a living but like I'm fine with that Also, there's... Wait, there's one more thing. Okay. I can't remember what page it's on, but there's a quote. Yasmin says it. Let me see if I can find it. I underlined it. Yasmin says something like, men can be such beautiful trash. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that, but it is true. Very true. Men can be such beautiful trash. That stuck with me like wow so well put yeah for sure that's truth in that no tall men as which please would say one thing that i bristled at was the all the like marriage business at the beginning because yasmin was being talked about like a possession being exchanged and obviously this is within the context of Demon Hune's culture, which is very patriarchal and rigidly so. Um, but that was, oof, I just noticed myself getting all my my hackles all raised. Yeah, I think it's kind of difficult, too, because like, yes, mean seemed like real into it. So I'm also like, what, like, then how am I supposed to feel about it? Because she wants this. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I love love, but just, like, mm, that sort of, like, ownership discourse really isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, like, yeah. I don't know how to feel about it because I'm, like, 
if it's what Yasmin wants, I don't know that it's on me to be like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't know. Um, I, I like Yasmin kind of, but she was like also really into Zafira not going and staying and like being with her brother. And I feel like she's going to probably turn into a villain because she's going to be super pissed that her brother's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, she'll probably blame Zafira, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. There's going to be drama. Well, I think she's also going to be very upset with Nasir and that's not going to go over well with Zafira. So, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. We'll have to see. Uh, it's so far away. I'm going to just pre-order it now. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-orders are important. People should do that. Yeah, for sure. I should do that more. Um, I think there's actually a lot about madness in this book mm-hmm. um, and that it ex- it's explored really, um, I think, generously and um, deliberately because we see the arts, the arts, ours, ours, I don't know, um, drives people mad, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Zafira's dad comes back, he is, has gone insane, been driven insane, and then has and then tries to kill Zafira, correct? Yes. And then Zafira's mother has to kill her husband. Yep. And the father of her kids. So talk about trauma. Well, and she loves him. That's important. She actually likes him, so Yeah. Everyone liked him. Yeah. He was a good dad. Yeah, like he was a very good person. Yeah. And then that triggers a whole bunch of trauma obviously mm-hmm. in um Zafira's mother right which then the two children are forced to deal with so there's I mean I think that um really a, the book explores this a lot and how it's a legacy on both sides of their family and I'm curious um whether this is going to affect or how this is going to affect Zafira in the future books yeah I think it might be helpful to her to have had that experience as she's going forward and she's with Nasir, who is obviously dealing with his own shit, you know, um, with his dad and his mom and all those things. But I I think it'll be helpful to Zafira in that um, it'll make her it, it like will make her more understanding when she finally does like meet the sultan mm-hmm. or whatever, because I think she will recognize that he's making decisions and doing things and he's like being affected by magic in a similar way that her her father was um because there's also a lot going on with him yeah totally and then that also does remind me of a point that benjamin makes about both pe- people having capacity and by people i mean beings people means all beings mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> being um capable of both you know good and evil for lack right. of a better word yeah, for sure. It's a through line for sure. We see it with Nasir. We see it with Altair. We see it with Zafira. We see it with Gamak. Yeah. Et cetera. Everyone's dealing with some mental health issues in this book. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, they've all got like pretty shitty backstories and shitty in like, I mean, like their childhood, their lives were not great. Yeah. So, yeah, full of trauma. (laughs) So we'll see where that leads them in the future. Um, One thing that I want to mention before we move on 
um, is I think we're getting with the um, lions like overreach and abuse of power. I think it's a portrait of what coloniality or like colonization mm-hmm. does or like where that impulse comes from, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about sexuality, asexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. I love, love, loved how Faisal developed the Zumra and everyone's relationships to one another. Like we got to see there's so much good banter, like bickering, I don't know, negotiating, like figuring out um, like... whether they're getting alliances that's the word I'm looking for I just thought that this was that part was really well done and I um, thought that the character building was really good too yeah I agree and I think we see the characters come to get to know one another um, especially as we see like the different groups come together and um, I really liked that they showed how Zafira learned to trust each of them even though she started out like very much not trusting them at all and like contemplating killing them (laughs) so um, I thought I think she did a really good job writing those relationships in the in the story. But the, I think that's a that's a really good point that you make about how that we're seeing how Zafira then changes in relationship to all those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't thought about that before. Thank you for pointing that out. Because she does she's like opens up more, mm-hmm. which is kind of a theme about like her open face, which I thought I felt like very li- related to because I do the same thing. <laughs> if I'm not having it, you can definitely tell by my face. So um, yeah, I think that that's a really good point about how we, we can like as readers track the protagonist change by how she relates to other people. For sure. I would also like to mention, if you didn't get this earlier, that I 100% ship Zafira and Asir. And that's all. There was really, really good chemistry between the two. I thought they did a really good, I thought the author did a really good job of like crafting the suspense and all of the like description of the different sensations and everything. Like, woof. Yeah, lots and of sizzling, lots of sizzling chemistry, and it like really stuck with me because I like there's some things I've obviously forgotten about the book because I read it a while ago, and I don't mean that, and like it was forgettable. Just like I've read other things since then, and I forgot um, a lot of other things. Yeah. You are a book witch, exactly. But like the scene where Zafira is like cleaning up Nasir's like head wound or whatever, like that stuck with me. Like I remember that still, <laughs> and I was just like be together i just want you to be together so it was really good it reminds me very much of like a kaz and anej on the like in the bathroom at the end of crooked kingdom yeah see i don't remember that already that is okay fine (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard for me to like keep all the book knowledge all at once i can only keep it for a certain (laughs) amount of time and then i need to move it over for other books (laughs) and that's why we create this for posterity yeah exactly i should just like listen to the episodes over it would remind me about you know when we're doing sequels and stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably because we got a study up yeah
Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings. I really admire Faisal's writing style, especially her word choice and use of simile and metaphor. I thought that was really effective in um, just making super vivid images in my mind. One thing that bugged me in particular were the, um, was the dramatic line breaks every so often. So that was kind of fun. Sometimes I thought they worked and other times I was like, okay, we didn't. That was unnecessary here. But that's like super tiny. That's one thing I wanted that I, that came to mind thinking about writing style in particular. I did not even notice. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. It's not like um, someone did a, like a TikTok video of all the times that like Edward Cullen like <laughs> chuckles, like how it's yes. like Stephanie Meyer's like <laughs> favorite word. Um, oh my God. Which is funny because having read those books, like I want to be like, y'all, have you seen how often she wears, uses the word kismet, which is like not a word that people use very often. Like there are other words that are. Like, I don't even know what that word means. It's like, um, uh, what does it mean? It means like, um, like, uh fate like it was fate uh like something was fated anyways but she uses it a lot and i'm like i am not reading midnight sun <laughs> hell no also it's about a dude so oh yeah well i don't like a basic dude who we know about okay so yeah that's true into it. but if i could get like akam akam math from rasan's perspective i would totally read that so oh totally no 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 it's not yeah i would definitely read that yeah Maybe maybe SJM will help us out. Yeah, probably not. And now I'm not so probably not confident in her abilities. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I have hope for the Cassia Nesta that's coming. Maybe I'll feel better when I'm back in like a more familiar world where I don't have to like yeah. learn everything over again. I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's not the book we're talking about. I know. I was going to say that's not what this episode <laughs> is about. Obviously, I have feelings. Maybe I'll write it up and put it on Patreon. <laughs> Good idea. I thought that there was excellent banter. I also loved um, how Faisal wrote the stream of consciousness, how the, the character would be like, I don't know, sensitive mouth, sensitive, like, or like, why am I looking at her mouth or something like that? I thought that those were really effective and cute mo like moments where I got to connect with the characters. I really liked that. I... Also thought that was really good. I really liked the interactions between the characters. I especially liked, um, I especially liked Altier because he was always like had these little quips ready, and he was. Oh I my just god, liked, he's the best! I know. I just really liked his interactions with all the characters. I'm really sad that he's been like kidnapped now because I'm worried it's gonna like really affect him, and then he won't be so quippy. You know. <laughs> I have a prediction. I think that it's gonna, he's gonna be getting affected by his dad's evil influence and then they're gonna have to free him, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, that I think for sure. I just am, um, my concern is that he will not want to be freed because he will no longer be being trapped, like Stockholm Syndrome, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. I also have to say, I did not see it coming that Altier and Nasir would be brothers at all. Um, for a moment, and I wrote this in my notes, I thought that Altier might have feelings for Nasir. So the way Faisal continually showed us that Altier does love Nasir was perfect 
because I thought they were setting up some kind of love triangle, but it was actually brotherly love the whole time. And like looking back on it, the way they interacted, I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally siblings. So I don't know why I got like, conf- I, I mean, I guess love is love. It makes so, total like, sense. Yeah. In whatever. retrospect, it makes total sense. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Which I was like really disappointed in myself because I feel like I could see things come. Like as soon as Dean was like, I'm going with you. I was like, he's going to die. <laughs> You're like, adios. Yeah. Basically. Godspeed. Yeah. I was like, good luck in the afterlife, bro. <laughs> um, but I did not see this coming at all. So um, it was pretty. She she like wrote them really well. So much so that I thought that Altair loved him. So like in a romantic way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't either. Recommend if you like. I'm trying to do better with the recommend if you like. I'm literally going to library school right now, so I feel like I should be better at this. So I have three recommend if you likes. <laughs> um, first, I would say An Ember in the Ashes by Saba Tahir. It's kind of also a travelish story with similar mythology, like the Ifrits and An Enemies the Lover's storyline. Um Second would be Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. There's a mashup of characters from different backgrounds and some possible questionable morals. We'll see. I don't know if they're (laughs) questionable to me, but maybe to some other people. Um, (laughs) And Wicked Saints by Emily A. Duncan. It's also a travel story with possible enemies to lovers storyline. I haven't read Ruthless Gods yet. I know it came out um, a little bit ago. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, Although I think her main character, who's the male character who I cannot remember his name is like way worse than any of these characters, like morals wise, but um, would recommend pretty good. Excellent recommendations. Book, witch. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Before we end, it's time for real talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way, or did it make you interrogate a concept trend or system you hadn't before? Let's start with you, Jesse. Um, just everything with Nasir. He was lied to by his mom, manipulated by his dad, and believes he is unworthy of any kind of love. And that was really heartbreaking um, because he obviously craves it so much. Like, he's always trying to get his on his dad's good side. Like, he, you know, he's, like, did not kill Altier, even though that's obviously what his dad wanted because, like, that's his other, you know, that's his brother, like, his half-brother, but still... <laughs> um, so that all of that was just like really hard and really shows the effects I think of like what child abuse can do to like your mental health and who you are as a person it can be pretty difficult. And how it affects the dis- like the the course of your life or how it can. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nasir basically got Dumbledored by his mom. Yeah. Except that worse because it's his mom. Not some random old guy. Yeah. But like literally raising him for this one purpose. Oof, that's rough. And not telling him about it, being manipulated for so long by so many different people. Oof. So much pain. Oh my gosh. Nasir's storyline is um, one of the darkest, I think, that we've... uh, or on the darker end, I guess I would say. Yeah, it's up some there. Of the, some of the backstories we've encountered. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if Gamak knows that Altier is Nasir's brother. So 
if he does and he asks and you know Gamek asked Nasir to kill Altir, like like that's pretty shitty. Like he's already terrible, but like on top of that, he's like, yeah, kill your brother. Who like he? It's not like he hates him or something, you know. Like he obviously loves him. So I don't know. It was just real rough. Do you have anything? I don't have anything this week. That's fine. I just wait. Can I shout out how gorgeous the flipping book is? It is so beautiful. The typography, the like. Mm. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I probably would have read it on cover alone. Agreed. Um. Oh, we have a person to shout out, a patron on Patreon. Hey, sweet, our first patron. Yeah. Um. So by the time this comes out, who knows where things will be. But um, we have our first patron on Patreon, Jen. Thank you for so much for supporting us. Um, we really appreciate it. Action item is take care of yourself, magical people. Yeah, these are weird times. We know. I don't know what the world will be like by the time this episode comes out. But yeah, take care of your mental health, your physical health. Wash your fucking hands. Wear a mask if you need to go out. (laughs) And, you know, stay six feet away from people. (laughs) Wash your fucking hands. Can that be the subtitle to this episode? Yeah, yeah. Wash (laughs) your hands. And, like, don't touch your face mask. Like, maybe we should include, like, how to properly (laughs) deal with your face mask. Oh, my God. I have seen so many people touching their fucking face masks. Yeah. And, like, like, that defeats the purpose. Like, you're supposed to take it off by the loops and then throw it away or like if you're washing reusable ones you know put it in right. dirty and then wash your hands you know there's actually a cdc guideline on how to properly change your mask or like take off your mask i wash my hands before i put my mask on you should before i take it off yeah and you need to wash them after you take it off but anyways yeah action item learn how to wash your hands and put on a face <laughs> mask properly <laughs> boom there we go Thank you for listening to JK It's Magic. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of Gods of Jade and Shadow by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you, magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at JKMagicPod. You can post your tweet about the show using the hashtag CriticallyReading, and you can contact us via email at JKMagicPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to JK It's Magic on the podcast app of your choice. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad readers out there. If you're interested in supporting JK It's Magic, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee, or you can support us monthly on Patreon in exchange for mini-sodes, bonus eps, early eps, and much, much more. Kelly is recording on Cheyenne, Ute, and Arapaho land. Jesse is recording on Peoria, Kaskakia, Teankasha, Weya, Miami, Muscotin, Odawa, Sak, Meskwaki, Kickapoo, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Chickasaw land. Until next time, stay magical. All right, clap. One, two, three. Do it. Let's do it.
Okay, it's you. You're starting. <laughs> okay, I need to change my screen. God. I'm off to a good start. Great start. You're doing great. 